You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. I wasn't having big dreams. I wasn't thinking I'm going to build a billion-dollar brand and open stores all over. I was just thinking, how could I contribute to our family unit, do what I love, be a good mom, and give back? That was really it. Her Money is brought to you by Fidelity Investments. Fidelity is committed to helping clients through any market conditions with financial planning and advice when you need it most. Learn more at fidelity.com. Her Money comes to you through PRX. Hey, everybody. I'm Jean Chatsky. Thank you so much for being here with us today on Her Money. I want to take just a sec and wish all the moms out there listening, including the dog moms, the cat moms, the plant moms, and my mom, a very, very happy Mother's Day this weekend. I hope that you are all able to do something to celebrate yourselves, even in light of these current restrictions, because we all deserve it. Our guest today, we are so excited about this, also happens to be a mom. And when her son was just three months old, she started her business in the spare bedroom of her house with just $500 in cash. That was back in 2002. In 2010, she opened her first retail location, and today her business has a billion-dollar valuation, 108 locations, and employs more than 2,000 people, 90% of whom are women. Some of you may already know who I'm talking about. If you could see me and my dangly, beautiful earrings, you would know that I am joined today by jewelry industry titan, Kendra Scott. Her colorful designs may be on your earlobes or your fingers as I speak. And I got to say, Kendra, it has been a long time since we had the whole team as excited. Not everybody shows up for every show. Kendra signed on. We're recording this through Zoom because we're all at home. And Catherine is here, of course, but our social media manager, Christine Burke, is here sporting her earrings. We are all quite excited about this. You're very Zoom chic, is all I can say. Well, you guys look all fabulous in your jewels. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) If we were in our studio in New York, Charles, our engineer, would be telling us to take off our earrings and bracelets because he'd be afraid they would jangle against the mic, but I'm just going to go with it. Hey, this is a new day. Yeah. Um, Kendra is also, I mean, you are so admired for your incredible products, but we also have to mention that you really know what it means to give back and that since 2010, you have donated $30 million to local, national, and international causes. And just last year, you built the Women's Entrepreneurial Leadership Wing at UT in Austin. So, so incredible. And thank you for all you do and for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I absolutely love your podcast. Uh, Many of those women that you spoke about that work with me, listen to it and love it as well. So thank you for having me on. For sure. For sure. So let's dive in and start talking about your company. I mean, starting with $500, that's really something. A lot of businesses, Spanx was started with $5,000. And I've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs who started with $5,000, but not $500. How, how did you do that? <laughs> I know. 
<laughs> well, it wasn't exactly like I sat there and said, I'm starting a business today with $500. I didn't have a lot, of, we didn't have a lot of money in our bank and it was right after 9-11. So here it was, you know, I was, had a newborn son. It was early 2002 and it was a scary time. And I was trying to figure out how could I be a present mom for this new amazing little baby that I just brought home, but also do what I love, which was fashion and design. I've loved it since I was a little girl. But more importantly for me, I want to do something good for my community. Uh, I had recently lost my stepfather to cancer and realized that we have a really short time on this earth. And he taught me that lesson of use the gifts you've been given to do something good. And that really just stuck with me. So when I you know, had my little boy, um, I really wanted to create a business that allowed me to be a present mom and create that for other women, create products that I wanted that I couldn't find and products that I couldn't afford. I mean, there were, I loved semi-precious stones. I loved color, but everything out there I couldn't afford as a new young mother. So I wanted to create something that was attainable for women. And then the third part was I wanted to do good. I wanted to help my community, but I was broke. Um, so I would just, anytime anybody would call me and they'd say, Kendrick, you know, can you donate to this charity with a silent auction item or a raffle? I said, decided early on that I would never say no, that I could always make a pair of earrings or a necklace and that I, would, I could do that at that moment. And that just grew from there. What is so striking about when you got your start is how similar I think things are to today. I mean, people are at a place where they are so frightened. Resources are more scarce than they've been at a for a while. And I think we've got a lot of our listeners who are thinking, you know, maybe I don't want to go back into that office. Maybe it's time for me to try to do my own thing, to try to, you know, put one foot in front of the other. What do you say to them? You know, I think sometimes it is the struggles in life and these challenges that come across that make us stronger, uh, that give us a new and fresh perspective on what's important, on the things that uh, we may want to do. And sometimes you have to have these big moments of impact, these things that just stop you in your tracks and you say, whoa, what's going on? To really open your eyes to maybe something new and different. And I, you know, I think for my life, I look back on a lot of those moments, the ones that were the most challenging really in a lot of ways were the gifts at the time. It didn't feel like it. They, a lot of them were painful. And, um, you know, my first business failed. I had a retail uh, hat company and I had it for five years and I worked that in that little store open to close seven days a week. I could barely hire anybody. And after five years of trying to make it work, it, I had to close it. Wow. And I think for a lot of people, it's like, oh gosh, well, that's it. You know, it's scary to think about going into business again. And so I, after that closed, I had to go get a job. You know, I had to go work for, I worked for a magazine. I got a job. I missed though being control of my own destiny. And I missed fashion and design. I missed that customer interaction. Um, and when I had my first son, that was a, whoa stop you in your tracks moment. As many of us moms know, uh, you know, your first board when they hand you that baby in the hospital and the, they look up at you with their little, you know, their little eyes. And it's like everything in your life that you thought was important is suddenly so not important because uh, yeah. the only thing, right? I mean, it's mm -hmm. a feeling that you, you can't describe until you've got that little, little baby in your arms. And so that was a moment for me that I realized I want to be there for him. 
but I love being in business. So if I could do something that would help provide for my family, I wasn't having big dreams, Jean. In the early, I wasn't thinking I'm going to build a billion dollar brand and open stores all over. I was just thinking, how could I contribute to our family unit, do what I love, be a good mom and give back? That was really it. It wasn't a big business plan. My first business that failed, I thought I was going to open stores all over the country. Um, that didn't happen. So sometimes what we think is going to happen doesn't always happen, but that might be because there's something better, a bigger opportunity waiting for us. And that was what happened with me. That The store that I had was my education. It was my master's in the school of hard knocks, of retail, of business. If I hadn't gone through this five years of learning what it felt like to have to pay rent and make payroll, understanding margins, profitability... I wouldn't be able to have started Kendra Scott and have the successful company I have today. Those real life lessons were the greatest gift in the moment. They were, ouch, they hurt. So when I started, $500 is what I had. I could buy materials, create a little collection. Cade was three months old. I threw him on one of those little baby Bjorns, which I think are still out there. Yeah. Uh, and we went store to store here in Austin, Texas. I showed my collection to local boutiques. I'd write orders on a Word document that I had created. And I went home and I had a little bulletin board. We had a spare bedroom. It was about a 10 by 12 little room. And I set up some card tables that my mom brought over, bead board. I had some wire and tools. And I started making my orders out of that bedroom. Again, not with ever thinking in a million years that this $500 start was going to turn into this. But as soon as I delivered those orders... Uh, I actually had to sell all my samples that day. So I have enough money to buy the materials to fulfill wow. those orders. So I ended up selling that sample set for $1,200. It was $1,265. I will remember it exactly. And she wrote me a check for $1,265. And I came walking in the door like I had won the lottery. I was like, baby, we've got ourselves a business. And I had just taken $500 and I made $1,200. Um, and I took that money, invested it in the supplies I needed, and it just kind of started going from there. And one day led to the next. I remember trying to figure out, how am I going to fund this? You know, they're like, well, go find an angel. And I'm like, well, that, yeah, where do these angels hang out? Because I would love to find an angel. It's <laughs> exactly what I need. It was really tough. And a lot of people didn't take me serious. I was a woman in Texas trying to start a fashion brand. I remember editors in New York and LA thinking that I was clearly probably just selling Southwestern jewelry, being very you know critical that if I wasn't on the coasts, that I couldn't be a legitimate brand, a legitimate brand in fashion. And I remember thinking, oh, you have no idea you know, what, who we are or what I am um, and what we can do. And I think those conversations for me was that drive. Um, and I think for a lot of women, we get told no a lot, or we don't get taken seriously, or we have the fi first five to 10 minutes to prove ourselves when we walk into a room. And I, you know, I think the more I've been told no, the more I've been told you can't do this, or you aren't doing this, it's like for me, oh, I like, yes. Yeah. Please oh, I tell me. So I, right? Don't tell me no. Yeah. Don't tell oh. me no. <laughs> well, now it's like, I almost, when they say, like you tell me, oh, that's not possible, or, you know, you can't do that, or nobody does that. I get like excited now. I actually am like, oh gosh, please, can you just say that again? I want to hear it. Well, you're saying I can't do it? I'm like, oh baby, here we go. Game on. It's, it's, for me, it's that fire 
that just starts because, um, you know, I think, and, and I think for a lot of women, you have to have that resilience and you have to have that ability to uh, not let those things internally affect you, but use them as ammunition to go and conquer the world or your dreams. Yeah, no, no question. Can I go back for a second, though, to those hard yeah. lessons that you've learned in retail? Because I think right now, boy, there are so many people who are just wondering if they're going to make it and yeah. trying to figure out how they can make it. How are you coping with coronavirus? How are you coping with this new world that we're living in? And what do you suggest to, to people who are trying to get through it? You know, this is something that I not, don't think any of us could have ever even put our heads around happening. If in January, you told me what the world would look like today, I would have been like, are you crazy? That's not real. That couldn't happen, right? Um, on March 16th, we made the decision to close all of my stores, 108 of them. And we've been closed uh, since then. In Texas, tomorrow, on Friday, the April 24th, is allowing us to do curbside. So we're just starting to do some to-go and new models. But just like after the recession, just like after 9-11 when I started my business, 9-12, it was a new day. It was a different day. But there was a unity of people. You would go into a coffee shop and people all had a shared experience that it united us as a country. It united us uh, as people. But it was a new world. We've never traveled the same since. Uh, we had to learn new things like taking our shoes off and not having bottles of hairspray and things we loved in our bags. Uh, but we acclimated to it, right? We evolved to understand this new world. And I think post-COVID is going to be similar. As a retailer who has, a, has invested in a lot of brick and mortar, hearing people say, well, brick and mortar will be over. This is the end of, of brick and mortar. Only people are going to be shopping online. I don't believe that. I think that there's still going to be an incredible need for the human touch. I think people need gathering places and places to see their friends and to be together, community places. And I think businesses today really need to think about what that looks like. They need to create a safe place where people can have great experiences and share special moments with the people that they love. And in the beginning, it's going to be different and it's going to be an adjustment. I'm, you know, Texas girl. I'm a hugger. You know, I, very few people I would meet, I would hug you. You know, I mean, some of my friends in New York are always like, Kendra, you know, people don't hug here, but I love it. I'm a hugger. And it's good. It's hard because now I can't even I have to be six feet away from everybody. And it's like this virtual hug thing that I'm doing. And it's a tough new reality. And I don't know how long that will last. And I think the thing right now is we have to be willing to be flexible. I think if we get in our minds that it has to be like this, or is it going to be like this? And we, we build up all this fear, it's going to just really prohibit us from being able to move forward. So each day I wake up and I take that day. It's new information. We don't know how long lockdowns are going to continue, how long retail is going to be just to go, or if it will have to revert back. But I know one thing is for certain, this is not going to last forever, that this is a moment in time. We are going to get through it. We're going to get through it together. The unbelievable amount of community love and kindness I've witnessed during this pandemic has blown me away. And I feel like as a country, as a world, we are going to come out of this so much stronger and kinder and more empathetic than ever before. I have a lot of 
really, I feel like if anything came out of this more than anything is supporting local businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, I've thought so much about that, you know, how the communities that you're in, the restaurants that have been open 30 years or 25 years that are family owned that I may not have visited in a long time. I can't wait to help go and see them when this is over. Uh, the local shop owners, the florists, the folks that, you know, you sometimes just, you, you don't thinking about them. I think we're thinking about all of those people today and uh, wanting to, to make sure we're supporting the people in our community. I think you're so right. And I also think that in a strange way, you know, we've been talking for years now about how we're happier when we spend our money on experiences. And so I think in a strange way, it has prepared us to take this on, that we have been gearing up to be more experiential. Absolutely. I mean, when I opened my first store, I didn't, I started my company in 2002 and I was just selling wholesale because after my first business in retail failed, I said, I will never go back into retail again. (laughs) That business is scary. Forget that I'm out. Um, But then in 2008, when the recession hit, I realized that I didn't have a personal connection with my customer. I was allowing other stores to sell my products and nobody knew that my products better than I did. And I wanted to be the one to have that connection with her. So that recession changed the course of my business. And in 2010, we opened our first, you know, we opened e-commerce, we opened Color Bar, which was an experience of creating your own jewelry. We opened our first retail store. It hadn't been, we were kind of just going along from 2002 to 2008. We were, you know, growing a little, but nothing, we weren't going crazy. And then in 2010 to today is when we had this lightning in a bottle growth because of the one of the worst financial crises in our history that propelled this unbelievable growth. And I wanted to create something that I wanted as a customer. I hated the jewelry shopping experience. I would go in and there'd be everything behind cases and all the girls would kind of look at you. If I walked into my workout clothes, they'd be kind of judgy looking at me. And if I'd ask for something to see, I felt like I was, I had to buy it. And if I didn't, they were going to be, you know, it was very high pressure and, Mm -hmm. and I just, I hated it. And I thought if I can create an experience where people can touch and feel the jewelry, where they're welcome, where we're so happy to have them, that we're creating community events within our store that they can be part of the design process and sit at the color bar and drink champagne and eat a cupcake and design a piece of jewelry and watch it magically get made in front of them, that would be so fun for me. And I think more and more today, we have to put ourselves in our customers' shoes. We have to think about what do they want? How are we going to surprise and delight them today? How are we going to wow them? Because the minute we become complacent, we will lose. And today we are changing so fast every day, especially with COVID, that we have got to be able to pivot, to shift, and to think, how today can I surprise and delight my customers? I think you are so right. I want to come back in a second, and I want to talk about the world of good that you are doing in Austin, but also all over the country and the world. But before we do that, let me just remind everybody, Her Money is supported by Fidelity Investments. For more than 70 years, investors have relied on Fidelity Investments to help plan for their financial futures. And as always, 
When the unexpected happens, Fidelity's there to help you work through it with financial planning, with advice for what you need today and tomorrow, helping to make it all clear. To see how Fidelity can help you and your family on your path forward, visit fidelity.com. We are back with Kendra Scott, founder of the Kendra Scott Jewelry Line, which is available in her boutiques, as well as so many different department stores. Let's talk about the entrepreneurship center that you started at the University of Texas. Yeah. What, what was that about? You know, it was such an exciting opportunity here. You know, we're based in Austin, Texas is where our corporate headquarters are. And we have had so many phenomenal interns throughout the years over these last 18 years coming from the University of Texas. And so our involvement with the university has always been so special. But this was a way that we could really even impact it more. And one of the things that I realized being a designer is I remember as an artist, I was told that you are either left brain or right brain. And if you're one or the other, you can't be in business. If you're a creative, that you can't be a CEO. And it was not business courses weren't available to people in fine arts or in other areas. And I started to look at, you know, what it meant to be a leader and an entrepreneur and that should be open to all schools, all studies, and that women can learn entrepreneurship skills doesn't mean you have to run a business. You can live your life with an entrepreneurial mindset. And so what I wanted to do was really give these young women at the University of Texas the opportunity to really, you know, how they goal set, how they achieve the things that they want to achieve, how they live their life with confidence. And we wanted to provide that for every female student and male. It's, it's inclusive to everyone, but with a female focus. And that was important to us. Many of these business classes or entrepreneurship classes, 99 to 95% of them, men, male students are in the class. And a lot of women were intimidated to even sign up for some of these courses. So I think it's really amazing that we can have a kind of female-focused, women-led. Uh, and again, we love the guys in there and get their input but this will be where they are actually the majority instead of the minority and giving them those skills to go lead their absolutely best, most happy lives. Well, I get to Austin every once in a while. You're going to have to let me come and, and talk to your students about their money. I would love it. And we actually have the, we have a really great community gathering space where we're doing our workshops. We bring in guest speakers. We're doing a women's summit in November. So we would love to have you come for that. But this is actually, we put it in the College of Fine Arts. I wanted it to be in a place unexpected. And, and so we are, I mean, I think the brains of tomorrow are the artists, the ones that aren't afraid to color outside the lines, the ones that think out of the box in really unbelievable ways. And so getting students, even from the School of Education, why can't one of these female students be superintendent of school someday? Why can't we help give her the tools to walk into boardrooms confident? And so this is a really exciting, it's been so exciting to put together. I'm actually teaching a course in the fall. So you can now refer to me as Professor Scott. Uh, I'm an official part of the faculty. So I'm so excited. It's, it's an amazing, it's an amazing thing. That's fabulous. So it's Mother's Day. We're teeing up for Mother's Day. What are you going to do? Oh, well, first of all, it's, this has been, you know, it, it's, a, it's a crazy blessing in a way to get all this time with my family. My oldest, Cade, that we just talked about, is graduating 
from high school. So the little one that was in the baby Bjorn is now 18 and graduated from high school. And so that's been a challenge because bless his heart, he can't walk with his friends. We can't do prom. But I secretly between us have loved it because I'm getting all of this amazing time with him uh, before he goes off to college next year. So I think, you know, I've, I'm the most happy when I'm with my family. And that usually consists of us grilling outside, maybe swimming in the pool, going for a family bike ride, snuggled up and watching a movie. If I get breakfast in bed, I'll be happy, but I don't need it. I just, you know, I just love being with my kiddos and I'm looking forward to that day uh, to where I get their full attention. Kendra Scott, you are so the perfect guest for this episode. I'm thrilled to meet you and to have you here. Thank you so much for doing this and happy Mother's Day to you and your wonderful family. Thank you and happy Mother's Day to all the amazing moms out there and all of the moms who've been on the front line. We appreciate you, we love you and we hope you have the best Mother's Day. And we'll be right back with Catherine and your mailbag. And Catherine Tuggle from Her Money, our producer, is with me. So that was so much fun. Oh, I love her. I love that her was, and I love her more now. I did not know her as well as you and Christine knew her. And maybe that's being from the Northeast so much and not from the South. But boy, oh boy, is she smart. Just so dynamic. Amazing. Uh, Amazing. And I love that idea of thinking about what people really need right now. Like she thought about what people really needed coming out of 2008 and giving it to them. Like that's going to be the key to success. 100%. And I just loved her beautiful insight into how you are treated in a store. Because I think every single woman listening to this podcast has had the experience of walking in to a boutique or a store of some sort and being treated like crap. And it is the most demoralizing, un, what's the word? What's the word that makes you not want to spend? Uninspiring. Un, I mean, it's, it, and it's not even when, it's not even so much that they treat you like crap. It's that shopping is it's not a confidence building experience. You know what I mean? I mean, just think about bra shopping, right? Like how awful is that? That you have to go and figure out what fits. I don't like shopping for jeans. I don't like, you always feel like you're judging yourself even if nobody else is judging you. Absolutely, absolutely. And But smart retailers, have you ever shopped at Yvonne Moore? I think they do a really good job with customer service as well. No, it's, what's it called? Von Mar. No. Um, yeah, Von Mar is a department store. They're in a few states. They're in Alabama. They're, I think they started in Iowa. But I always feel like a million bucks when I walk into one of their locations. Wow. Makes yeah, I, it makes all the difference. And I also think, look, there's no we have the words judgment free all over our site for a reason, right? That I mean, women feel judged all the time and it sucks. And if we can do a little part to stop that, I, I think hopefully we convince some other people to believe that it's necessary too and just come along for the ride. Absolutely. She's got it locked down. She yeah. knows how to treat her fellow woman and I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We got questions. Let's treat our fellow women by answering them. <laughs> our first question is from an anonymous listener. She writes, 
Hi, Jean and Catherine. Thanks for the consistent, steady voice amidst a financial whirlwind. It's been a pleasure listening to and learning with the show. Right now, I'm in a bit of a loss. I'm 37 years old, and my partner and I are expecting our first child in October. It's a girl. Aw, congratulations. Congrats. My question is about estate planning. I would normally bulldoze my way through a regular checklist of 529 and life insurance research, but our financial situation has drastically changed over the last month, and I'm not sure how to proceed. My long-term partner and I are both in the wine industry, and it was hit hard by COVID. He was laid off, and I received a 50% pay cut indefinitely. On top of that, we're facing down a $6,500 health insurance deductible, which makes this pregnancy very expensive and stressful. Finding work that does not put my partner at risk of exposure is limited at the moment, and we're unsure of when real recovery will happen this year. On top of that, my maternity leave starting in October is dismal at two full paid weeks and four weeks of 60% pay, after which I need to take unpaid leave. All of this means I can walk away making half of what I would normally earn in a year. On the bright side, we've been living very conservatively. My partner has about $5,000 in retirement and $10,000 in savings. I have over 350000 in two 401ks, $30,000 in a Roth, and less than $1,000 in my HSA. I also have $2,000 in checking and about $63,000 in a high-yield savings account. I was hoping that lump of savings would be a cushion for the very expensive daycare rates in our area or maybe a down payment on a future home. My partner and I don't plan to get married, so I know we're not protected by the usual family law assumptions. I would seek out an estate planner, but any added costs right now seem prohibitive. I know we're not destitute, but it feels impossible to put down roots for our daughter's future when the present is so fraught with the unknown. How can we save for a 529 when I can't even safely afford to contribute to retirement this year? Is life insurance even an option we should look at? And should we be covered with a newborn? Should my partner be the beneficiary of my savings and retirement plans? Or should I put these in my daughter's name? help. And thanks for listening. Well, first of all, you are about to, as you've just heard, embark on the adventure of a lifetime having this baby. And so I don't want to lose sight of the fact that this is a really happy, blessed event. So focus on that as much as you possibly can. There are a couple of things in your letter that give me just a little bit of pause. And I'll get to them in one second, but before I do, let me just say, give yourself a break on the 529 contributions. If you don't start making them this year, you don't start making them this year. If you don't start next year, you'll start the year after. Looking at your personal financial situation, what I see is somebody who is a really, really good saver. You've accumulated a lot of money and you're only 37 years old. So you will, you will get there. Just take that worry off your plate for right now. And don't worry if you have to scale back on the 401k contributions for this year. That's okay too. You will get back in gear when you're able to get back in gear. A couple of things that you asked about, let's address specifically. Life insurance with a baby is a must. It's an absolute must. You and your partner should both have term life insurance policies. So go online. If you go to Her Money, we've got some articles about this. There are places like Policy Genius where you can just shop around online, find the policy that works for you. But yeah, 
you absolutely need that. The good news is it's not going to be very, very expensive. Here's where I get a little bit stuck. As far as your partner being the beneficiary of your savings and retirement plans versus your daughter, that really depends on what this money is for. And I'm a little concerned about the inequity in your financial life. You've got a lot of money. You're clearly a really fantastic and responsible saver and investor. I can't tell why he has so much less and it's troubling to me. And so I would say take enough out of that high yield savings account and use it to cover the pregnancy so you can stop worrying about that and take another thousand dollars or two and talk to a lawyer, talk to an estate planning lawyer about the best way to protect your daughter without sabotaging the ability of your partner to take care of your daughter if something were to happen to you. I'd also say eventually I'd like to see you sit down with a financial advisor who can make a plan that will show you that you are indeed checking off all the boxes for your future because you're checking them all off. But not spending the money on a lawyer right now is not the right move. Does that make sense, Catherine? Yeah, it does. I mean, she is doing so well in terms of savings. And if she has the bandwidth for a 529, then some of that money needs to go to a lawyer now. I think so. And with your partner at home, even if you're back at work after whatever time you feel you are able to take off, you don't have to pay for daycare. You got it built in. So that's a cost that you don't have to worry about. Great point. Congratulations, though, and um, I hope everything goes really, really smoothly with the rest of the pregnancy. Yeah, congrats. Our next note is from Janelle. She writes, I'm 62 and I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'll have to return to work after the coronavirus shelter in place is lifted. I've been on my job for 32 years. The concern I have is that I'm one of the people in the high-risk group because of a number of health issues, so I must be especially careful during this pandemic not to be around large groups of people. My job involves dealing with the public all day. I'm a receptionist and telephone operator. The type of job I have does not permit me to work from home and because of medical issues, I'm limited as the type of positions I can do. I'm thinking that now may be the time to take an early retirement so I can protect my health. I just don't know that I have enough to live on, but I also don't know what else to do. I live paycheck to paycheck and so I've only been able to save a small amount. My annual salary is $41,500. I have $3,200 in cash savings, and I have a 403B retirement account in the amount of $133,000. For a quick look at my other expenses, my rent is $1,100, and that increases annually by about $35. Other expenses, including food, utilities, and transportation to and from work are around $600 a month, and I have two credit cards with balances totaling $21,000. Can you please offer suggestions? I just don't know what to do. Sure. So a couple of things stand out. One is, of course, we all have to do what we have to do to protect our health these days. And if you're in a high-risk group, you have to take that incredibly seriously. When I read that you are both a receptionist and a telephone operator, it strikes me that all I'm seeing lately are 
notices from companies that are hiring people who can work from home because they have customer service skills that are applicable on the phone and online. And I'm wondering if you should be looking for one of those jobs. In fact, I'm suggesting that you should be looking for one of those jobs. There are so many different places out there where they, you are exactly what they want right now. And so I'd say while you are at home sheltering in place, get that resume together, build back up that LinkedIn profile and get out there and start looking. The big cost that you didn't mention is healthcare. And I, I believe that you didn't mention it because your healthcare is paid for by your company. And that is a big gap that you would have to fill because you're not old enough to qualify for Medicare. So I'd like to see you stay in the workforce, find a way to stay in the workforce until you get to Medicare because that's not an expense that we look like your budget can handle. The other thing that is concerning here is the $21,000 in credit card debt. I'm wondering if that number is going up on a monthly basis or going down on a monthly basis. If it's going up, I want you to take a real hard look at where your money is going, and if you can find any wiggle room at all to throw against those debts. It may be worth giving the credit card companies a call, seeing if there's any flexibility in interest rates that would allow you to pay down the debt faster, um, but we certainly don't want to see that scaling up. And I also wonder, I, I don't know what these jobs from home are paying, but I do know, as Kendra was saying, we are in a whole new world right now. And I suspect you may be able to find pretty competitive work simply because you have the skill set that so many people are looking for. So good luck with that and let us know what happens. I totally agree. 32 years at this company, you've clearly proven your worth. You know what you're doing. And Companies that didn't have work from home positions like this five weeks ago may be about to have a lot of positions just like this, remote work from home. You know, I didn't even think about that. I mean, that that's another really, really good suggestion. Go back and talk to your employer about the fact that you can't come back in, but that you would like to continue to work and see what happens. Absolutely. Our last note is from Megan in, drum roll please, New Zealand, which is- Whoa. Yes. She writes, hi Jean, I just love your podcast and your blogs. Thanks for keeping on doing what you're doing during this crazy time. In New Zealand, we don't have the level of illness that many other countries have endured, but our economy has taken a big hit and both my and my husband's job are potentially at risk. Just before the lockdown, I launched my side hustle, an online beauty retailer. Not the best time to launch a new business, but on the bright side, this is really the time for online retailers. I'm at a point where I need to invest more into the business for marketing, but with job concerns and the shrinking economy, I'm not sure whether to hunker down and put my money into paying off our home loan so that I am in a stronger position if I do lose my job or invest in the business, which has great potential. I have a little bit of a buffer in my personal finances and the banks are offering repayment holidays, so those things would help. One alternative is to keep the business ticking over without investing more capital until things settle down a bit. I appreciate that this decision really comes down to my combination of personal and business circumstances, but any general advice you have would be so appreciated. Thank you. 
So Megan, I think, um, and I hope that listening to Kendra Scott got you totally jazzed up because it got me totally jazzed up about your situation, that this really could potentially be an incredible opportunity if you play it right. So my inclination is to say, don't stop investing in the business. But I do want you to put pencil to paper or pen to paper or fingers to computer, whatever your pleasure happens to be, and figure out the payoff for the money that you are investing. It's, it's something that we are dealing with at hermoney.com as we try to get more content up on the site. I want to know what the payoff on putting that content up is going to be in terms of page views, in terms of likely advertising dollars. And I think you need that filter. Um, because otherwise it's a little too much of a gut decision when this is a time when relying on the numbers can be something that makes us considerably stronger. I think take advantage of the repayment holidays. Definitely take advantage of the buffer that you have in your personal finances. In the United States, mortgage rates are so low, and I, I think things are largely the same in your part of the world. But if you've got a very, very low rate of interest on that home loan, I wouldn't stress trying to supercharge your repayment. I would invest the money in the business instead, as long as your mortgage payment is not uncomfortable for you on a regular basis. And I would try to, you know, while you're doing all of these things and while we're all living at a time where we're not going out to restaurants as much and we're not spending as much on transportation or work clothes or things like that, I would conserve as much cash as you possibly can. So my answer was a little all over the place. It, clearly, I want you to be able to do everything, but I do think if you feel like you're onto something, you have to go with it. Absolutely. And we have situations like this so often, right? Where you have to just kind of straddle that fence and do a little bit of both, whether it's saving for retirement and saving for college at the same time or investing in a new business and saving in your emergency fund. It's, it's always that balance that you have to strike. Yeah. It's not an either or. It's it's a how much to which one. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you, Catherine. This was a fun show for me. I appreciate you having Kendra on. Of course. She was amazing. More amazing than I thought she would be. So thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely. And in today's Thrive, a little bit of news. For roughly the next year, from now through April of 2021, the three major credit bureaus, Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion, are offering customers free access to our credit reports every single week. And you can access those reports at annualcreditreport.com. In pre-pandemic times, this free credit file access was limited to one per year from each of the three major bureaus. Pulling a report every three months was what we suggested. Pulling a report every four months was what we suggested to provide an ongoing window into what lenders and other entities were saying about us. But now it's just a free-for-all. So do you actually have to pull your report every week? Well, I think that's probably overkill. But this is just a reminder that now is a good time to keep your eye on things, that this is a time when scam artists come out of the water using coronavirus to 
cover themselves in schemes to gain access to your credit card and other personal information that puts you at risk for fraud or identity theft. We've got lots of information about that up at hermoney.com. So if you need more, go there. There are no hidden gotchas here. Just be careful not to inadvertently sign up for a credit monitoring product that is going to cost you money. Offers will be made on the page. Just close them out if you're not interested. Thank you so much for joining me today on Her Money. Thanks to Kendra Scott for her incredibly inspiring conversation. I love her designs. And next time I am in Austin, I am definitely, definitely going to check out that flagship store. If you like what you hear, I hope that you'll subscribe to our show at Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. We love hearing what you think. We want to thank our sponsor, Fidelity. Ordinarily, we're at CDM Sound Studios recording this show, but for now, we are using Zoom and a Yeti mic from the comfort of our homes. Our music is provided by Video Helper, and our show comes to you through PRX. Thanks for joining us. Have a happy Mother's Day, and we'll talk soon.